Trust. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. I have a fun episode for you guys. It's electrifying. I've, I've, we've already done the interview. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're talking to Matt. I thought you were going to say we've already done that joke, oh, which we, we have. Which but we probably have. Well, yes. And it won't be the last time. No, I'm you're sure right. Um, we have Max from Revive Automotive. And uh, they are basically, he, he has developed uh, and started a company to EV convert cars in an exemplary Matt. Yeah, so he and, has a classic G-body 911. Yep, a target that he, that he did. And an it EV is, swap. And it is incredible. Like uh, I say in the interview a few times, this has been done before. Right. But not like this. So I wanted to talk to him about it. You can find out more about uh, Revive Automotive at revive-automotive.com and also on his uh, on, on his Instagram at revive, uh, I think it's underscore 911. Correct. Yeah, and, and it's you got to see it. You got to look at it. We're obviously going to post it on social media. I posted it a little bit. It's new. They're going to be on, it uh, sounds like they're going to be up for order towards the end of the year, maybe beginning right. of next year. You know, those timelines always shift around a little bit. Really incredible work. Really, really incredible. I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing our interview. Yeah, he's with a super Max. interesting guy. Before we get to it, though, let's take a moment to talk about Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items, including tools, which, by the way, Chris, Yes. I think these guys have a sixth sense because every time I open and get a tool, I, I a, end up using it right away. I have a story about that. Is, okay. uh, you know the little mitt that we got this week? Yeah, the hand washing The hand washing mitt. That day, or maybe it was the previous day, I watched my girls dr- like getting rid of the chalk on the driveway <laughs> with, with, with my mitt. hand washing <laughs> mitt. And I'm just like... Like to the point of the dirt and grit that'll just never ne- come out. Not even possible that ever comes out. And lo and behold, <laughs> next day, boom, <laughs> petrol yep. box. There it yeah, is. We got a mitt. cool set of different pick tools yeah. what's this Mish- week. What's Mishimoto? We got a t-shirt that's a Mishimoto t-shirt Mishimoto too. does a lot of coolers. So they do oil coolers, radiators, oh, that right. sort yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's okay, a cool, cool. company. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you get tools, t-shirts, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications occasionally, all set right there to your doorstep. It's a selection of the latest, greatest gear in the industry, and there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrobox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com, and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. So if you were going to EV swap something, what would it be? What car? You had to choose one. <laughs> I like the idea. It has to be a classic. Mm-hmm. I want it to be simple. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be the design you so want to cater car? to. I do like the idea of a classic mini. But I started looking at classic minis. Yes. They're like the next 911. They, they are, are getting very expensive. They are getting very expensive. Yes. Like to be like a perfect have, EV swap. And there's a company that makes a swap. Because you want something light and small so that you get the good range yep. and the good efficiency of it all. The, yeah. I, I think of a mini too. That's exactly what I think of when I think of a car that I would like to the mo- that I would most like to do. Right. Is me. I also showed you an Austin America, and you and you poo pooed it big time. It looks yeah. like a tiny little notchback, like a tiny Volkswagen. Yeah, notchback. it didn't do much for oh, me. I love those things. I think they're really really cool. Like a seventies Austin America, very very good. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our interview with Max. Chris, hello. Hey, Max. How's it going? Oh, good, good. Yeah, I've got my evening, co-host yeah. Jake here with me. Hi, Max. Hi. It's, I appreciate you hanging out with us. Yeah, you're welcome. It's, uh, so one of my buddies sent me um, just a picture of the, the rear end of your car, and I became immediately enamored and fascinated. And that was the first thing. I saw a photo with the trunk lid o- or the deck lid open. Boom, it's there. It looks. I'm like, wow, and my eyes were immediately 
immediately drawn into that. And I think the reason is, is because I've seen a lot of these swaps. Everybody's, you know, in different types of cars, right? There's all kinds of guys putting Nissan Leaf stuff in. They're doing, you know, Tesla swaps. They're doing all these different things. And then uh, EV West is doing swaps, and it it looks okay. But everything either looks really, really bad, like total (laughs) hat job, or it looks very utilitarian. It looks like we're just going to put this together. It's just going to work. And then I saw yours, and it and it was and it was beautiful. And I just I had to call you to just talk to you about everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's basically the whole point of it. Um, I have an automotive background. Um, I'm doing the whole concept of electrification since 2017. It all started for me with an internship uh, at a company that uh, converted old Beetles uh, with Volkswagen, and. Um, yeah, I was there for two years and, you know, Beatles are Beatles, but a Porsche is a Porsche and yep. I always wanted to do a Porsche and everything. And uh, in 2019, I went to the bank, told them about my idea to electrify Porsches, got the money. And what did they think? Basically. Was the bank guy like, <laughs> yeah, here's, here's, you know, however much money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, you know. I started with around um, 150,000 euros yep. and it's not so easy to get, you know, I'm also, I'm, I'm 25, so basically very young and um, well, I, I had to make a business plan and show them everything that I knew and how long am I in the whole um, thing of electrifying cars, but um, I gained the trust. Germans handled that a lot differently. I mean, over here in America, everybody's just like, Visa cards, credit cards, mortgages, <laughs> jack it up. Uh, no, 75 no. Lo- year loans on boats. They don't do that in Germany. That's a totally different mentality. Germany is totally different at this point. It's basically like that. If you say, I want to start a business and I, I stop my studies, your parents are like, oh, you can't do this. And everybody else is like, oh, you can't do this. You have to finish it first and everything. So there's a, there's a, it's a different thing here over in Europe. Um, but this is how it started. So I basically went to the bank, got the money. And the first thing I did was uh, purchasing a 911. And my accountant was like, uh, Mr. Carstensen, are you insane? You get the money <laughs> from the bank. First thing you do is buying a Porsche. And I said, oh, oh no, it's just I need this stuff for the business. you know." <laughs> and then it started. And um, I got a lot of help. It's not possible to build a car like this on your own. Because you need electrical, you need mechanical, you need computer-aided design, right. you need a mechanic, and so on. And I was studying, actually, business administration. But I'm a car guy. My father is a mechanic and has a driving school, so I rode Moto X-Bikes since 10 years old, and the passion just continued, and I always was uh, in the garage um, restorating some stuff and motorbikes. What did you work cars. on with your, with your dad? you guys work on any cars together or anything like that? Yeah, actually, he has a, his biggest uh, thing is a Buick 8 sedan okay. uh, from 1938, uh, straight wow. uh, eight cylinder. And um, we were like 10 years on it to get it perfectly in shape. And, um, is that, that something was that was main... imported or did you, was it something that was sold there that you guys found? That seems rare oh, it's, or it's, odd it for Germany. Yeah, it, it has a very nice history. It was the car of the Canadian ambassador in, in Berlin. And it actually survived the war in some kind of garage. And um, then it was forgotten and in very bad shape. And my father found it and saw the historic um, work of it. And then we started restorating it. And right now it's driving in my hometown with a little Canadian flag on the front. <laughs> and 
Yeah, it's a very nice car. It's, it's the, the most precious thing of my father, I think. And this is just one of many projects uh, we did. Yaga E-Type. Um, myself, I, I own a, a VW a T3 uh, Westfalia and Audi Coupe GT from 1970, no, 1987. Um, yeah, so I'm a car guy. I'm a business administration studies, but I'm a car guy, basically. And... The studying of business administration was very helpful with the bank guys, you know, because I know what I was talking about. And I think that was one of the reasons why I got the money, actually, for my business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So why, mm. what was it that made you want to do this specifically? You know, you're a car guy, you've worked with your dad in the garage, and you wanted to do something with cars, I imagine. Were you trying to rack your brain about what to do and this was what yeah, you ended yeah. up with? Or how do you get there? Because it's, you know, this is a reach. This is still a, a difficult thing to do. That was like that. I was working in a company that electrified cars for two years. And it was like, um, it was a fascinating moment. Um, when you take old technology and it starts to correspond with a new technology. And for example, the Beetle, you, you experience it in a very new way for, um, the suspension and the brakes and everything. And you learn the car like um yeah you get the car to know very new and in, in a very new new way exactly and um i was fascinated about this putting the old together with the new and then create something very very new but also with a nostalgic um, point of it somehow so why the 911 as the base chassis what was the motivation behind that? Obviously, maybe you had a little bit of history with the rear engine, with the Beetle and stuff like that. But why 911 yeah, specifically? Exactly. There's lots of cars out there to do. Yeah, the 911 is basically, in my opinion or in, in my feelings, it's the most iconic classic car. It, when you go on the on the classic car meeting, you will at least find a few of them there. The old timer, no right? Where you the old timer cars. Exactly. I'm speaking about <laughs> the classic 911s. Yeah. And um, it was always a dream car for me, especially the G model with these 80s look. I told you that I have a T3 and an Audi Coupe, so I'm an 80s guy. And, well, that's the icon of this time. But also, I have to say, um, there are also um, business opportunities because there are a lot of these cars. Because if you see from 1963, to 1989 it's the same body you know there are a lot of cars thousands of them and um, if you develop an electrifying concept for this car you have like uh, huge numbers for it and um, another point is that the, the owners of 911s um, they're not the poorest you know so yeah sure <laughs> if you go there and say i take for my electrification like ninety thousand uh, bucks it's okay for them it's it's an option you know but you can't do this with a with a golf two maybe yeah it's better than going after the lot of crowd those guys probably just <laughs> yeah. don't are, just aren't able to, just aren't able yeah, exactly. able to pull it together and that and that and, the, and that was the point why why i chose this model because um if you look at it you have like um, 350,000 cars left in the world. And I said to myself, if 1% of these people are interested in electrifying their Porsche, I have a business. And there, and if you think about it, as time goes on, you, you're building a good foundation for yourself. It's not if they're interested. It's, it's going to be when they're interested because they're going to 
have to be interested as regulations and laws start to constrict our ability to drive gasoline cars. And if you let me add this, um, you know, today there are old people at the classic car event who argue about whether a certain screw has to be yellow or white galvanized at the classic car. But I think that won't be forever. And the 911 is an icon and it will always be a car that you want to have. Also, if I speak for my generation, it will also be a car you want to have in my generation and in the following. But there won't be tourists in like in today's way in the future, I think. So time is on my side. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that as a young guy, you're 25, I'm, I'm 40. And my era of cars is kind of like late 80s, early 90s. For you, a lot of the, the guys that love the new stuff are really into, you know, 2000s, GT3s, GT3 RSs and stuff like that. Why, why did you gravitate yeah, towards okay. the 80s cars so much? It's, I don't know, because I started um, working with these cars. And um, it's basically, the, if you look at, at German cars, um, like Mercedes or something, I think the 80s and 90s were the peak of German um, car buildership. It's, it's reliable. It's um, made for eternal somehow. If you look at, at the taxis worldwide, these old 124s from Mercedes, for example, that's, that are, they are eternal cars, you know. And uh, that is why I think uh, they're good for electrification. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, mid-90s Mercedes stuff is it's just absolute exactly. tanks. Absolute tanks. Yeah. So what do you think, just side sidebar on that, why do you think that the German cars, because if you look at Volkswagens now, for example, hideously unreliable. <laughs> terrible cars all the direct injection everything it's all horribly unreliable all the japanese stuff is much much better and it wasn't it's like it almost flip-flop a little bit what happened to the german yeah. car industry that has made it so complicated and unreliable and just it's just like there's a different mentality now uh, you know what i think it's um like you have it in, in almost every businesses right now making the maximum profit thinking where can i earn money in some ways and if it's broken parts, it's broken parts. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah, I guess the engineer and needing parts is a good is a good way to make a little bit of money. Speaking of parts, where does the drivetrain from this car come from? Can you just explain how the drive what what it is, what's included, how it works? Yeah, um, it's like that. Um, most people that electrify a car, they just take um, the engine off, put some kind of adapter, and then place in electric motor onto the original gearbox but you know you, ha you have a clutch you have gears if you if you, if you shift in first gear and then uh, hit the hit the pedal your first gear was there the longest time you know and i don't think it's the way of doing it because i think it's it has nothing to do with immobility uh, e and um, that is why my porsche has no original gearbox and um, then I went on and looked, what can I get? I also have some good contacts within the automotive um, Just hold on, just speaking here. on the gearbox thing, just for a second. Yeah. When yeah, you say yeah. that there's no gearbox, you know, some guys, like you said, they'll do an adapter the, plate, they'll put the electric motor on there. And it seems yeah, like I'm, I'm, if you're I'm, just, if you're going to make it an electric car and you're going to go with an EV thing, why make it worse by including <laughs> the, the gearbox? Because it doesn't need it. It doesn't need the gearbox. So you're really making the car a worse car by putting the gearbox in. And that's, I know that seems weird because I like shifting cars, but it's not progress. 
it's not necessary. But um, what you said is somehow false. Let me explain. Sure. This car has a gearbox, a two-speed automatic gearbox, which is also used in the Gumpad Natali, this methanol um, um, burning cell car. I don't know if you if you know it. The Gumpad, yeah. Um, exactly. And, and my Porsche has the same gearbox. It's a, two, it's a two-speed. So you have one gear for acceleration, for insane acceleration, and you have a second gear for the German autobahn. Because uh, when I started and... Um, doing the calculations on uh, what parts do I want to build into this car. Um, one of the goals was I said to myself, I want to build a car that actually drives over 200 uh, kilometers an hour. Because otherwise, you know, on each data sheet for, for the electrification, ah, I don't like the look if there's just like 190 kilometers an hour, you know. So I wanted to reach these uh, 200 kilometers an hour, but it was not possible with one gear. So I basically looked at the Taycan and, and thought, okay, these guys also have a two-speed uh, gearbox. Let me try this also. And then I got the contact um, from the manufacturer who makes the gearboxes for Gumpard. And um, then I placed it into my prototype. And it actually gets two motors on each side. So I have uh, Bosch engines on each side. Each of us had uh, 90 uh, kilowatts. And um, combined, they have 180 kilowatts. So that's like and, 120 um, horsepower per motor, basically, if I'm doing my math correctly. Yeah, 240, I think. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And um, they have like, to com uh, together combined, they have uh, 430 newton meters, which is pretty good compared to the original one. And... Um, that's the drivetrain. And the motors are from Bosch, as I said, the inverters too. And um, When you say inverter, what do you mean? Is that the controller that takes the bat, the bat basically controller. takes the voltage and converts it to exactly. what? Okay. Exactly. And where I can, I try to use OEM technology because of the reliability. And um, I think that worked pretty well out. The batteries are also from a German automotive manufacturer. So also um, tested for millions of kilometers. And, well, if you want to give some reli reliability to the customer, you have to take OEM parts. Yeah, well, they've already spent hundreds of millions of dollars researching this stuff. Why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why, why that's, that's, exactly. That's the point. So where do these motors come from, these Bosch engines or the Bosch motors? Directly from Bosch. Okay, so are they used in any other car or is it kind of just they... Like, I'm just wondering, it's is there like a Bosch factory where there's just all kinds of different motors sitting there? You're like, I'm going to have that one. It's no, no, no. It's just working through context, of course. And um, this is a um, standard um, industrial motor, normally for industrial um, applications. But it also works in the car. And I think a little modified version of this is also in the series um, Fiat uh, 500 electric. Okay. So when I look in the deck lid of your car and I see all the orange wires and the, all the beautiful stuff, what am I looking at when I, when I see that? Well, I spend a lot, lot of time to get it to the look what it is now. Now you have technology in the back where you can explain, where you can show how this whole thing is working. And if you take a look from the wheel into the engine bay, you see on the left and on the right, in the back, there is um, the so-called inverters or controllers, motor controllers. And um, each of it has like five cables 
two is uh, plus and minus high voltage and the other threes that are combined there um, are the three phases for the for the engine and um, in the front there's this box where all these cables are coming from the left and from the right coming together in the middle and uh, this is the power distribution unit um, there are fuses and relays and all the energy needed is um, is separated there and goes to the to the heating or to the um, inverters or to the charger, for example. And um, I think that was the most um, complicated work to get it to this look, how it looks uh, today. And um, I had to discuss about everything there with my colleagues, and I said, oh, come on, this has to be... It has to be better. Good is not good enough, you know. I think I, that it can work out better. And so we spent weeks and weeks and weeks um, on the design of the, of the engine bay. But it worked out, as you can see today, because you contacted me. Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it looks beautiful. You guys did, a, did an incredible job. Because if you think about it, I can go on Alibaba.com. I can order an electric <laughs> motor. I can order a gas pedal. And I can order a controller. And I can make yeah. like I can make a go kart, right? That's what I want to do because I I want to learn how to do this stuff. So I'm going to make a go kart. And what the cars are just like an extrapolated version of that with more voltage and a more complex controller, more phases on the engine and stuff like that. So the concept isn't hard; it's the execution and doing it well that's difficult. Exactly. And I try with my company Relife. I try to bring some professionalism to the world of electrifying because. As you, as you said before, like 90% of all electrified uh, classic cars, they are made by, um, they are homemade by some dude who has knowledge in electronics and so on. And it's fine. It's okay. I, I don't blame them. It's totally fine. But if you want to reach um, into the higher class market, um, you have to go into automotive professionalism with computer-aided design and with documentation. Also, we have in, in Germany the TÜV, so that's basically a very um, high wall to climb if you want to have um, a legal registration for your car in Germany. And, um, Did somebody inspect the car? Are, Did a guy come out and look at it and inspect it and approve it? Exactly, and the rules for that um, are getting higher and higher each year. Well, what for did he example, say when he came? Did he come and look at it and expect it to be like like an old gas, like CIS carbureted car or something like that? <laughs> and he came and looked into it. What were the, what were the inspector's the, the, thoughts? The first problem is you have to find an inspector that actually has um, um, the authorization to 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 take high voltage cars. And, um, well, I found one and he actually um, did a few cars before and he said, that's the most impressive car that I ever looked at. And then uh, the whole um, technical inspection um, garage, all, all technical inspectors were coming at my car and looking. And then they took my keys and said, ah, we have to take a test ride. I bet they and then did. They were, they were, <laughs> and, then, and, and, and then I tell you, that was the, the hardest part in my life so far. They went off for one hour of test driving. Oh. And I said to my colleagues, I, I, I think they, they stopped. I think the engine broke down or something. And, I, and they, my colleagues were like, Max, relax. They have fun. And <laughs> it was like that. They came back with a big smiling and said, oh, man. And uh, then I passed um, on first try. And um, yeah, right now I can drive legally on the roads. And... Also, the German TÜV is very high um, respected within Europe. So um, if you have passed it here in Germany, it's, um, it's possible to actually 
uh, transfer the car into other European nations. The authorities will say, ah, it's, it's German um, approved, so that will be no problem. So what's the process of driving cases, this car? It works. When I get in and I get in my, I have a 72 911. When I get in, I, I hop in, I turn the key, let the, the pump cycle for a second, push the gas pedal a few times for the carburetors, and then I turn the key and it starts up, hopefully, right? <laughs> so what is the process of getting in? Like you leave your, you leave your house, walk into your garage, and you're going to get into this car. What is the process like to get in this car and drive away? Like unplug yeah, it, get yeah. in. What do you have to do? First step is to you open the door. <laughs> and um, then you then you get in you um, you do the ignition with a key on the left of course at, at the Porsche and um, the car then goes into ready mode and in the middle you have uh, a gear selector um, which is uh, from a newer Volkswagen um, it's like uh, from the DSG um, gearboxes sure. so uh, the people are used to it they they know what I, what they're doing and then you go into D while you press uh, the brake pedal. It's actually, I, um, I widened it, so it's like in an automatic car, not so small, the right. pedal. And um, you press it, you go into D, and then you will experience an insane acceleration if you do pedal on the metal. So uh -huh. it's, all like, it's all like original. It's, um, you don't have to explain big things, you just get in. And it's basically like an automatic car. You have um, on the gear selector plus and minus. You can switch uh, the gears anytime you want. So I normally drive in the first gear. And when I go on the autobahn, I select the second gear at 120 kilometers an hour. And in this second gear, you can drive then up to 220 kilometers an hour. What does this thing weigh? Uh, it's actually... 100 kilograms um, more than the original. It's um, 1,330 kilograms compared to 1,225 kilograms in original at the Targa. That's, that's actually a, really that's impressive, impressive yeah. honestly. <laughs> well, but if you look at the 911 again, you take out this big gearbox, this big engine, seven, seven liters of, of gasoline tank, and, um, well then you already have like 300 kilos um, lesser in this car. And um, the batteries in the back and also in the front. And that gives the 911 a weight distribution of uh, 60 in the back and 40 in the front. So actually, it's not that, um, um, that light in the front as before. Um, you, you will know it um, if, you, if you empty the tank um, on the 911 and you are driving like full speed, it gets very light on the front axle. No, oh, totally. Starts, I remember I picked um, up my white, I had a yeah. 911 SC once. First time I went to pick it up, it, I flew, picked it up sight unseen, got in it, didn't have any gas, and there was a huge storm. And I'm driving <laughs> on the freeway yeah. and I'm just like, holy yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. this thing is yeah, uncontrollable. Yeah. It's hydroplaning all over the place. Yeah, there's nothing up there without any gas. Yeah, if you're on a bicycle, for example, and you sit with your ass in the back where the luggage normally is, um, then you know the feeling of how a 911 drives when the tank is empty, <laughs> and this is completely this is completely um, neutralized um, because of the weight in the front. Um, so you have a little more weight in the in the front like before, and um, in my opinion, it makes the car drive a little more easy. Have you had anybody tell you that you're ruining cars or anything like that? Any any guys yeah, that are just sure. like what what are they saying? What's yeah, your response usually? There are basically two opinions. 
they say like give me a lot of love and say that's that's the future and everything and the, the, the other part is um Max, i hope you die painfully so <laughs> Are you, it's that bad. In, in the, yeah it's actually that bad but i'm i I like myself in this uh, situation. I have no problem with it. So um, in the middle, there's, there's actually nothing. It's just like fully love or completely hate. But also the hate is uh, commercial for me. So that's fine for me. I'm just, you know, I think about it in terms of, look, I'm a big fan of the combustion engine. I love the variety. I love the sound. I love the way it feels. I love shifting. I love all these things. But I've said this before. You have to accept what's coming or the entire enthusiast culture for motoring is going to die. We have to be able to be willing to embrace stuff like revive and use that as a platform to show young people that this motoring is still cool. It's still fun. It's still interesting. It's clean. It's green. It's everything else, you know, which isn't, it's not my favorite thing. I'm, I'm an old man. I love combustion engines, but I also understand that the future is coming like a runaway train, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. So Max, what was the most challenging part of designing this electrical conversion? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty easy to say. It's actually getting the components. If you're a small company and you go to a big player like Bosch or Volkswagen or whatever, they say like, um, well, they don't answer, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so um, you have to be in, in this business of automotive engineering. And from this point on, you can, you can get away through it to get actually good components that are state of the art. And I, don't, I didn't want to, to build like 10-year-old technology into this car. And I can say that right now, um, I think this car is very, very state of the art. I have a CCS charging. Um, you can fully load um, the car with, with a half an hour. Uh, 180 kilowatt power is, is outstanding. Um, Two-speed gearbox is outstanding. It's Taycan technology, actually. And um, that was the hardest part to get it. Because um, if you write an email to Bosch and say, hey, hey give, give me a motor, and you won't get any answer at all. Yeah, who the hell are you? Why should we sell this to you? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I was only able to do this um, because I had supporters, engineers that are into the automotive uh, business for years. They said, ah, come on, Max, it's a good project. Come on. And they have contact for me. You can directly call. And on these ways, it was only possible to get these components. How long does it take you to build one of these? Uh, it took me, ah, well, the... What do we look at? At the whole development well, or think about actually if, building? If I bring you a G-Body car and say, Max, yeah. here's the money. I want you to build me one of these. How long is it going to take before I get my car back and I'm able to drive it? Um, the whole development of the, of the 911 concept uh, took place from um, 2019 to 2020 in October. I presented it on the Classic Expo in Salzburg in Austria. And um, that that was the only classic car event that took place uh, within the corona crisis here in Europe. Um, but um, there was a real bring-up because, um, because of the situation with the virus and everything. Um, families were not there. There were only the high-class people that couldn't live without classic car events. So they went there even though they had the risk of infecting themselves. They, they couldn't resist. And uh, so Sounds only high-class... Like, like a good um, customer, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good um, 
good commercial commercial actually uh, so um that was a good event for me and i actually got then uh, um, a good uh, job to do uh, right now i'm building a bmw 2002 uh, concept for a company from Munich, and uh, they plan to do like 10 cars of it and right now i'm building the prototype and then we test it and then the next cars will come also a lot of interest for the for the porsche but right now i don't start uh, with the production because i'm looking right now for a battery i have a few um a few new um, opportunities and i now have to decide in the in following weeks which battery i will take but that will bring some packaging development and um then I think in, to the end of the year, I'm ready to take the orders and uh, start production so of the electrical um, conversions. So you're going to take orders at the end of the year and you start building these cars. And exactly, for yeah. me, I, I know without even asking how much it is, I know you haven't probably don't have pricing figured out. That's okay. Uh, what would you ever consider selling something like this as a standalone kit? If I want to do, if you can use, can you simplify it? buy it and boil it down so like just anybody can convert their car over i have a lot of um, people asking me that exact question and um, i'm working with my colleagues on a version which is not so complicated as the two-speed uh, gearbox so um, this requires a lot of um, of control systems and software and everything and for example, if you take the gearbox apart and then put it back, you have to you have to readjust it, which is a hell of a work. And um, I'm working on a lesser complicated but also very powerful um, version where it would be possible to actually sell a kit to overseas to to guys like you actually. Yeah, that I think that's the I think that's the hot ticket right there, man. If you can start selling kits to guys that you know, want to be able to comply as, as things go on here, you get five years down the road, 10 years down the road from now, everybody's going to start wanting these yeah. kits so they can drive their car wherever they want. So they can go drive in downtown London or go drive in Rome or Paris or Berlin or whatever, where it's just yeah. where it gets harder yeah. and harder logistically to drive. That's the point. Yeah. Max, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your project. I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, take care of yourself. I'll, uh, you know, next time I'm in Germany, I might have to look you up. I usually get out there a couple times a year for work, and uh, maybe we can have a look at that thing. Feel invited to come for a test drive. Um, it's worth the effort, and um, I think it's a big experience to even, well, or because you're a Porsche driver. All right, man. Take care of yourself. You, yeah, thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. And you too. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You want to drive it? I want to drive it. I do want to drive it. And, <laughs> you know, I struggle with like, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, I was always really into computers, right? I was, okay. I remember my grandpa bought like a, a, a 386. No idea. It's so it's the three, it was 386, 486, Pentium one. Okay. okay. So we're on like, we're way past Pentium. I was like Pentium two, three, four, Celerons, all this, you know, Pentium pros, like Pentium, whatever, all this different stuff, Intel processors. Right. So the i386 was, and there was a 286 too, but i386 was probably... Oh, I want to say it was early nineties. Sure. Okay. Grandpa buys this computer. It must have cost Yeah, a small fortune a, a small at the time. Fortune. It must have cost a fortune. He brings it home. 
puts it up, hooks it up. We're playing like it's got Windows 3.1 on it or whatever. So we're playing like Minesweeper. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, look at this. This is great. This is a visual representation of a game I can play over here. You know, it's not, it's not like now where you're playing something that's totally not real. So you're just in your dialing. We had a modem. We had CompuServe, oh, right? So you'd go there and you'd go to f- try to find pictures of chicks. And, it would, and they would be like in like... 256 bit GIF, like or 256 color GIF, and where it would just come down, and you'd be like line by line loading. You yeah. just wait for the boob to show up, and it, but 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 they never was because it wasn't it wasn't easy. So it's, it, you'd, it would scroll down, down, down. You see her. Where, where are you going with this? Hold on. Where are you I'll going get, with I'll this? Get there. Okay. I, I don't know. It's just this is just what I this is just what wait, I do. There, so that there's so the lines at her neck, and okay. then it's her shoulders, and it's her clavicle, and you're like oh, and then she's got a swimsuit on. You're like damn it, and you just waited like. 10 minutes to see a chick in a swimsuit, which you can see in the newspaper or a catalog or on TV. Anyway, the first thing I did after looking for boobs was <laughs> I completely disassembled this thing. Oh, geez. Scattered the parts all over the Are living room. Are you kidding room. me? No, not kidding. I'm assuming I, you did not have permission for this. I did not. But I was always fascinated with how things work and the technology of it, which is probably one of the reasons why I get so excited about taking carburetors apart and putting yeah. it back together again. Like, it doesn't really bother me to have to, like, take the whole thing apart and put it back together. And I just, I love technology and this, my love for that, my love for how things work and and progress and tech and everything like that is at odds. It is at complete <laughs> odds with my love for the combustion engine and driving and shifting. And, and just like the we, last week we had Ollie on and he's talking about the reasons why the combustion engine is so much better and why he right. fears the that variety it's, and it's the, variety the character. and character. And, but I love, I at the same time, when I, that's why I want to talk to this guy. When I look at this thing, I go, Wow, this looks really, really good. It's not a total hack job. It doesn't. Right. Someone did. Or just, it's not clinical. It's not. Yeah, this is clinical. It's really, really impressive. If it, obviously you can go to his website, we'll uh, list everything in the show notes. But it's, it's uh, Revival Nine Eleven on Instagram. If you want to see what he's up to. It's really, really good because you look at some of the other stuff out there and it's a guy that went and got a wrecked Tesla or he's buying Tesla parts and right. getting batteries and putting them together and it looks okay. And it just doesn't, it's it's not there yet, right? Okay. It's not there yet from a production standpoint. This car is there. It's all yeah. the way there. Well, it's, it's TUV approved. It's, well, there you go. It's TUV approved. <laughs> uh, and, but I'm really, you know, at some point, you know, you were yeah. the other day, we're talking about, I want to get a mini. I want to get yeah. a classic mini. And what is the first thing I said? I don't know. EV swap it. Oh, yeah. I want to do an EV swap project. I want you to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Now it comes out. I can live vicariously through you to to work on the EV stuff. But I think a go-kart is going to be... That the seems best more attainable. First, first thing, you can go on Alibaba. You can look at all the parts you need. Why Alibaba? Because that's where everything comes from, <laughs> right? So there's a there's a company that makes 911 air conditioning stuff in England. Yeah. I don't even remember the name of the company. I know Pro- what you're talking about. I wouldn't be fair to say what it is anyway. But I went on Alibaba, and I was looking. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could make my own air conditioning right. system. Because, you know, you can just pee. This is not brain surgery right we all know right. how air conditioning works you squish this chemical <laughs> it gets cold okay and then on the other side of it is hot yes. because you've used the energy to make it cold right, right. so you have to cool that down it's very simple yes, right in theory. it's very simple yes. which is amazing that it wasn't invented sooner it's a very simple style <laughs> technology I'm, like, I'm gonna try and make one i'm just gonna make one so i go on alibaba.com i go like electric uh air conditioning compressor right right boom i'm looking at them like wait a sec 
that one look and I went to the dude's website. I'm like, no, holy shit, you that's found the one. It? It's like it's marked up like eight hundred percent. You know, it's just like a million dollars. So how's your AC system coming? <laughs> it's pretty good. I just I think it's like four cranks and I and the windows <laughs> down. The window, yeah, 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 exactly. I've had a lot of other things to do. I would like to try it and I would like to try and make it. The only problem, the big problem, and what one of the it? things that this this dude in England has is the airbox. Right, because the airbox with the with the with the evaporator in it or whatever it is, right? That just the little radiator where the air blows through. What's it called? Condenser? Yeah. No, no. is it? I don't, I don't know. know what whatever, you're whatever to. the thing where the air blows through it, and that's what makes the air cold. Like little, the heater core, but not heater core. Yeah, the cooler core. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Cooler that's called. core. Let's yeah, call it that. Let's call like that. that. That's that's a new trademarked uh, overcrust cooler core. <laughs> <laughs> Having that in your airbox, where do you put that? Is kind of the question. It's like, how do you make that work? So what you have to do is you have well, to you have to put something underneath the dash with like one of the classic kits why, or something. Why couldn't you know how they had the old? What's the name of them? It was rare part, but it was basically the kerosene heater in the smuggler's box yeah. that was an option. Yeah. Well, the some of them you... ran on gasoline too. Oh, you're right. They did. Yeah. It seems even worse. Horrible idea. <laughs> Why couldn't you like put it through there and duct it down? Cause there is a duct in there. Yeah. There is a provision you, for a duct. You'd there. have to make up some sort of enclosure for the, the, the overcrest air cooler, the cooler, the, core. the, the cooler, overcrest cooler core. <laughs> you have to figure out a way to make that work. And I think the, there's uh the Milwaukee guys, I think have been thinking about the Octon Craft guys have been thinking about maybe making something like that. I don't know. There's lots of guys that are thinking about making something like that, but then they get to the airbox and everybody goes, Oh man, that's really hard. Really? That's, I feel like that I could really I could do something really clean with that. Well, it's all driven by cables. It's like it's not as easy to think. So you have cables that open flaps and close flaps, and you have yeah. to mount the air, the overcrest uh, cooler, cooler core. Cooler core. <laughs> There's all kinds of problems that you run into when you try to. Oh, make that them. seems no. We could we could handle anyway, it. You know what would be, so, You know what I could do instead of doing that though? That'd be a whole lot simpler that what? I need to do anyways. What? Is polish my car. What do you mean polish your car? Well, I could use Oberk car yes, care you to could. actually instead of trying to design the overcrest cooler core, I could just simply am, focus on polishing I my am car. Days away from using my Oberk products on my 911 from basically destroying the paint over yeah, <laughs> over the winter. I'm I'm moments away. Yeah, so Oberk car care, they're your source for professional detailing compounds and supplies that's research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product and they are truly great products. It's a simple foolproof two-step process easy and gives an amazing finish. Right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your order when you use the code OVERCREST. That code is good not only on OBERCCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Go check them out today. So the biggest problem with going on Alibaba or looking at building a co-cart and stuff like that is the nomenclature. Right. I don't know. It says 1800 watt motor. I'm go, okay, well, how, what does that mean? Like, I don't <laughs> they, understand. They should just have actual horsepower ratings the, on these things. It would be nice. Right. So what but you have to do. That I don't think is a direct like comparison. No, conversion. So you have to go, okay, if I have an 18 watt, hundred watt motor, how many batteries do I need to have it run for a certain amount of time? So then you need like a certain kilowatt hour. So if you have an 1800 watt battery and you have an 1800 kilowatt hour, then you're, then you're running, for running an, hour. an hour at full speed. Right. It's like Maybe. there's some math you can do like that. And I'm just, <laughs> and I kind of, like, I kind of get to that far and I go, ah, f- I don't yeah. get it. It's just, it's kind of just bug, bums me out a little bit. So there's probably a business, Overcrest, we can put the business right next to Overcrest Flat Surfaces Inc. What's that? Is Overcrest Easy Go Kart Building LLC. Okay. So where we just have, like, we just. So we just have the components and we tell you this thing goes with this. The only kits I've been able to find to do this yeah. are just really shitty. 
Amazon kits where it's just like, whoa, that does not like a little plastic pedal that looks like it's from yeah. like a Power Wheels, which it most likely is. It's probably, yeah. Just or they have a hand throttle. Wheels. Like a lot of the ones I really like have hand throttles. Why? Because they want for like little mini bikes or scooters or oh, something like I that. Oh, I gotcha. Because yeah, a lot of guys I will- I was thinking in a car and you got to like reach down with your right arm for your hand yeah, throttle. That no, doesn't make no sense. It's almost as dumb as having a foot pedal on a boat. Have you seen I that? I like that. I do not. Because oh, you start going a lot over of the waves, old classic your foot's going up that. and down. And I know. You, you I want to try little, it, though. I've the, seen it where it's connected to a hand throttle on the boat, but yeah. then you also have foot control. Yeah. I don't I like know. That. I don't like it. It always looks like the little bare foot, too. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's always, it's, yeah, it's like the moon style yeah, pedal. So yeah. I got to get a, ch- uh, a go-kart chassis, and I'm going to call up my friend Chad uh-huh. right now. Chad Erickson from South Center Imports has a go-kart chassis that he's not using. Sell it to me. <laughs> He's like a month behind in the podcast right now, so I'm probably not going to hear from him. <laughs> so we'll this. hear from him in 30 days. <laughs> in like 30 to 60 days. I would like, it's like a racing car, like a, oh, what, so like a, a Burrell, like a little Burrell. Uh, yeah, not small. I mean, this is like, well, you it's, had a shifter car. Yeah, shifter cart type thing. Yep, I gotcha. want to do it off of that I was chassis. thinking like a big off-road, like roll cage type right. go-kart thing. Well, we're starting to get into the projects that I want to talk about on the episode that we're recording for last week. So we're, that, that we're basically time traveling back and forth right now. That's it, guys. I want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and make sure that you check out Revive911 on Instagram. You can see what they're doing. Sounds like they're taking orders uh, at, the end, of the, at the end of the year if you want to get in on one of these. It's really incredible. I'm actually going tr- to take this guy's info and take his car. I'm going to float around to a few publications and see if I can get out there, take a look at this thing myself, and go. drive it. I would really like to experience what looks like the inception of the next level, the next generation of EV swaps. Sure. It's, we've, I've been kind of waiting for this to happen. It's happened. I really want to go take a look. All right. That's all we got time for this week, guys. We will see you on Friday. Friday. Take care.